0: At a very familiar parable that the Lord taught, the parable of the sower, as given in Luke chapter 8. My subject this morning is what the seed requires. One thing that would be abundantly clear to anybody who just started attending this church is that this is a church where we believe in the Word of God. It is our primary and sole standard for living. It reveals the heart of our creator. It shows the path, not a path, the path to salvation. And it changes lives. Our lives have been changed by the word of almighty God. We stand on the word of God. We seek to live by the word of God. We view life and view every situation through The word of God. When we pray, we pray, hopefully, according to the word of God. This is not just another book. It is the book. When anyone allows the word to become deeply planted within them and allows it to be nurtured and grow, miracles happen. Lives are changed. Relationships are restored. People are set free. All by the word of God. Now, this word is something that our world today criticizes, calls it outdated, calls it irrelevant, doubts its godly origins, usually because there is something in it they don't like, usually because it condemns the sin people would rather embrace and wallow in and live in. We're We've removed it from so many places in our culture, so many places in our society, and wonder why things are falling apart. We've removed it from our schools. We've removed it from our government buildings. We've removed the word of God, the living word of God, that can bring life and security in so many ways. We ignore the reality that the only way life truly works is when it's lived by the word of God. The only way to find meaning and purpose. So many people say, I want to find the meaning of life. Look in the word of almighty God. This word is powerful. But can anything get in its way? Can something hinder it reaching its intended goals in someone's life? Can anything thwart its power? You ask such great questions. Turn to Luke chapter eight, I'll begin reading in verse number four. And when a great multitude had gathered, and they had come to him from every city, he spoke, a par- he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled. And the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as it soon- and as soon as it sprung up, it withered because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and it yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has, an ear, has ears to hear, let him hear. What does the seed require? Jesus often spoke in parables He usually he would take, Everyday situations that would have been familiar to everyone who was listening and use them to teach heavenly ideas or principles. This parable is unique among many of the parables in the Gospels in that it's one of the few where not only does Jesus give the parable, but then in a few verses he gives the explanation of what it means. But with regard to the explanation, my focus today is only on the first part. In Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The testimony of my life is that this book, this word of God, has unparalleled power. I love our times at the altar. I love our times of worship. My Christian life would be nothing without the word of God. James chapter 1 verses 21 and 22 say, therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. This word has power to transform a life from sin into life everlasting. First Peter chapter 1 beginning in verse number 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives, which which lives and abides forever. This word is incorruptible. We believe in this book. We believe in this word. Why do we place so much value and importance on it? Hebrews chapter 4, verses, verse number twelve. For so the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is the discerner of thoughts and the intents of the heart. This word says it all. It does it all. The word of God is vital for our growth. As believers, there is no growing without us getting deeper and going further in the word of God. We need to worship. We need to gather as a family of believers. We need to pray and deepen our relationship with God and with one another. But in all of these things, they are built on a foundation of the word of God. The seed planted in our lives. It is by this word that true transformation takes place transformation does not take place by the opinions of men it does not take place by what the evening news says is most popular it does not take place by evolving philosophies in our culture and lord no it does not take place by what's popular on social media nothing good takes place by what's evolving on social media 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse, starting at verse 11. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, when you heard which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. And this is where I change direction to those who believe. In this parable, the seed falls in many places by the wayside by the rocks, or what would be considered back if you were looking at it from the first century, shallow soil, among thorns, and then on good soil. One thing is clear. It's the same seed. It's the same exact seed. There's nothing wrong with the seed. I tend to be a pretty calm and quiet person, but if there's A list of things that would get me going, it's someone telling me the word of God didn't work for them. There was nothing wrong with the word of God. This seed is perfect in all of its ways. If there's something not working for you or anyone about the word of God, the problem isn't the seed, it's the soil. Which I will cover in two weeks. So many people refuse this word. So many people have left this word doesn't seem to fit my life. I want to be able to do this and do that, but the word keeps getting in my way. It seems irrelevant today. Look at the way things are. How can the word of God be relevant in the way things are going today? Well, I tried it. I really did try it. And it didn't work for me. Let me be clear. Once again... If you tried it and it didn't work, the problem was not the seed. The problem was the soil. There's nothing wrong with the Word of God. There never has been anything wrong with the Word of God, and there never will be anything wrong with the Word of God. It is we that have to align our lives with the Word of God, not the Word of God that has to be adjusted to fit our ever-shifting culture. It is we that have to change. It is we that have to submit to the ideas and principles of the word of God. Because we believe this word is perfect in all of its ways. There is no modifying the word of God. And there is definitely no improving On the word of God. We need to study it. And we need to study it properly. And honestly. So we can discern its actual meaning. But God's word is the final word. It doesn't matter what part of society we're looking at. It doesn't matter what issue we're talking about. God's word is the final word. Matthew chapter 24 verse verse 35. Jesus says heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. Amen. This word's going to outlive us, it's going to outlast us. It is living and alive. Amen. Now, I don't often do this, but I'm going to vent a little bit. Because there is a line of thinking that just really is dumb. And it's among those who want to change what the, what the church stands for or what it stands against. Now, I understand from an emotional perspective the idea of wanting to be loving and accepting of people. And let me be clear, every single person is deserving of respect and dignity. It doesn't matter how wrong they are in other areas of their lives. But it seems so many and I'm going to talk about the church now specifically in the church in a desire to be loving and accepting have extended this notion of embracing certain things and my focus today is going to be on same-sex marriage. They want to focus on that and again the motivation is to be loving and accepting. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be loving and accepting. And what part of their argument that just drives me up a wall is they come back at me and say, well, Jesus never condemned it. You look in the Gospels, it's he didn't even talk about it. Hmm. Okay. Technically, while you're right, he didn't address it. What Jesus, first of all, did do is repeatedly affirm the authority of the Old Testament scriptures and the Old Testament has plenty to say about this issue. They want to claim love is love. No, God is love and he's the only one worthy to define what love is. Then and again they state that Jesus himself never rose up and spoke about this practice. But Paul did repeatedly throughout his letters to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Rome. And as I mentioned, the Old Testament, it didn't debate the issue. It made it clear. Also, if anyone wants to truly do the research, which very few people do, there is no historical evidence whatsoever that the first century church or first century Judaism tolerated anything related to homosexual practice. For me, there's a deeper issue here. Well, it's not in the Gospels. Jesus' own words didn't speak against it. There are no major or minor sections of God's word. I'm sorry, if the only words you're going to follow in the Bible because you believe they're the only words of God are the ones in red, then the entire Bible for you should be written in red. Because it's all God's word. Every single word is God's word. It's not just the words Jesus spoke. Yeah, we look at those until we have that perspective, but the words that Paul spoke are God's word. The words that Peter spoke are God's word. The words that John spoke are God's word. There are no words of Jesus and other words. They are all the words of Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, a verse you know well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. I don't get it. But Jesus didn't talk about it. Yeah, but the people he inspired did. The people he filled with his Holy Spirit did. And we need to understand this is all God's word. So if it's not working in our society, if it's not working in our culture, the issue is not the word. The issue is not modifying how we see it. The issue is not putting it in a different frame. The issue is the soil. And that's where you and I come in. It's the soil. And that's on us. That's on people. Are we submitting our entire lives to the word of God? That's where it starts, and that's where it ends. Are we giving in to it? Are we pursuing godliness his way? Not just as a system of rules and regulations that focus on outward appearances, but a godliness that goes deep within, that then the outward man just naturally expresses. Are we remaining teachable, and pliable to his revelation. Sadly, I know many Christians who are teachable and pliable when it comes to the revelations of our society. When our culture learns a new thing or wants to promote a new thing, they want to be teachable and pliable. But how about to what thus says the Lord? Are we staying good soil? Soil. My commitment to all of you, each week, when I get behind this, what's often been called this holy desk, is to bring the word of God. That's my commitment. I remember years ago, someone commented to me, they they noticed, I'm not sure why they commented, but they did. You use a lot of scripture in your messages. And the problem is... Because I'm not here to give you thus saith Hiram. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what I'm thinking, what does the Word of of God say? This isn't about getting behind here, and when I have a guest speaker, I am very picky and choosy. They've got to be someone I know who will bring you the Word of God. Not interested in opinions. I'm not interested in what is the latest thing happening. Not interested in what's trending on Twitter. I'm also not interested in someone's emotional baggage. About someone preaching just because they've come out of a season that they truly haven't completely healed emotionally. And so they've got a particular bend. No, I want to preach on thus saith the Lord. I will preach on forgiveness no matter how many people hurt me. No matter how many people come against me, I need to preach about forgiveness because that's what's in the word of God. I, don't, uh, I will continue to preach upon gathering together no matter how many times things go wrong in our churches. We need to come to the house of God. We need to be a part of an inner circle. We need to have Christians in our lives that we can gather with because that's what the Bible teaches. I will preach on being loving to other people no matter how difficult they make it. Now, is that just me? Or do you have people in your life that you try and love and, they love and they just have this mindset, oh yeah, we'll see about that. They just make it so hard to love them. They make it hard to like them. They make it hard to even be around them. I know it's just me. But I will preach on loving them and serving them because that's what's in the word of god when it comes to the word of god it is right but you don't know how that was put together yeah i do and i've studied church history i've studied the 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 um development of how the early church fathers put it together and you know what it was a miracle of what we have today It truly is a miracle, which is why it is the word of God. That, and I've had it, change my life. Change my life. It brings peace in the midst of a storm. The word of God brings comfort in those seasons of life that are just chaotic and in complete turmoil. It brings hope when everything around is depressing. Couldn't we use more peace today? Couldn't we use more hope today? We're not going to find it in the latest protest march. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't stand for things. Hear me today. Hear my heart today. But we need to do everything we do based on the word of God. Now, Jesus went on to talk about why the seed didn't flourish in different places. We're going to talk about that in two weeks. But today I just want to affirm the word of Almighty God in your life and in mine. Anything anything that ever gets said from behind this pulpit, may it always be from the word of God. And if it's anything else, May the Holy Spirit just close our ears to it and close our heart to it. I believe in the Word of God. But I just heard this new philosophy over here, not interested. But I just spoke to this person and they gave me this insight from this new thing they saw on YouTube. Great, not interested. But I just found this new principle of of approaching relationships, and I found one that has worked for centuries. It's in the Word of God. His Word is alive. As the writer to Hebrews said, it can discern between truth and nonsense. But if it's going to have its way, it needs to fall on good soil. And that needs to start with us. I am praying, as I know many of you, that this coming summer would be an amazing summer for our church as far as outreach. And I have a couple of ideas I'm batting around. And we're going to, in anything we do, proclaim the word of God. So we need to be praying now for the soil it will fall on, because there's nothing wrong with the word of God. Whatever we proclaim, if it's the word of God, it's going to be awesome. But awesome when it falls on rocks or falls by the wayside or falls among thorns doesn't produce fruit. We need it to fall on good soil. And before we start judging other people about the soil in their lives, we need to check our own. Psalm 139, verses I know you know well. Verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart today. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of God everlasting i thank god for the word of god otherwise we'd just be a bunch of people walking around with a bunch of opinions and we would have in the church what we have in society a mess And when we have a mess in the church, my experience has been it's been places where we have drifted from the word of God. Whenever I talk to a pastor that's sharing with me something about a a situation that's going on in their local congregation and things that aren't going right, and they'll explain some of the difficulties and some of the challenges and even some of the clashes that he or she is seeing among the members, I listen and eventually, I'm trying to see where did they drift from the word of God. Because the word of God talks about unity. The word of God talks about giving preference to others. The word of God talks about loving one another, caring for one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. Nowhere in the word of God does, is the church encouraged to beat up on one another. The word of God has the answer. Yeah, but you know, it's such an old book. I've heard that. It's not hip. It's not with it. It's these old books with these old bindings and just isn't today it's today it's yesterday it's forever i remember talking to someone a while ago and they said you're going to pull out a bible now some old bible that you have to show me the scriptures and what i did was i pulled out my tablet and showed it to them on this modern device and for some reason they listened So, you know, I don't have a problem with trying to get the Word of God into people's mindsets with whatever weakness they have at the moment. I want them to be able to see the Word of God. But the bottom line this is amazing seed. Fruit grows in our lives, our lives have been changed. We hear about God's provision. We hear about God's healing. We hear about the Holy Spirit coming into our lives and manifestations being made so that we can be a witness to the world around us. That's what the word of God does. Good soil. That's what we want. Almost challenged that, although I love the name Calvary, maybe we should change the church's name to Good Soil Church of God. that can be a tongue twister if you say it fast good soil we're going to leave it Calvary I don't know where you are today whether you're here or listening to me on Facebook live but when it comes to the journey of us as Christians when it comes to moving into deeper places the word of God is ready God is ready with his word to take us to infinitely deeper and amazing places. The issue is not the word. The issue is not God's willingness. The issue is the soil, which we'll talk about in detail in two weeks. So wherever you are, search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me. See if there's any wicked way in me. It's too easy for me to point to, Lord, look at the wicked ways of everybody else. See is that if there's any wicked way in me and lead me, Lord, into the way everlasting. And I'm telling you right now, when he leads you into a way everlasting, it's going to involve the word of God. Stand with me, please.